The car you drive every day should be fun. But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries. You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. I'm visiting my family in the Pacific Northwest here and getting into conversations about soccer with my nephew. He's 15, and he's totally into the soccer thing now. And I'm desperate to tie the conversation into cars and, you know, be the relatable uncle. (laughs) And, you know, all we're talking about is uh, player salaries now. (laughs) I'm going, okay, so we're looking up Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo and all these guys. And his favorite team so far is Barcelona. So I asked him who is his favorite team. And right. knowing very little about soccer, to be honest. <laughs> and so I asked him, his favorite team, Barcelona, and I said, do you choose players by, you know, if they have, uh, or teams, if they have a star of the team, or if it's they're uh, maybe unknown and they don't necessarily have a star of the team, uh, you know, who do you choose your teams by? And he said he likes their style. Okay. So he chooses the his favorite teams by their, their playing style. So I said, all right, fair okay. enough. All right. And then I remembered the recent video of Cristiano Ronaldo driving a Bugatti Chiron. Hmm, and I thought, okay. oh, I've got to show this to you. So I showed him the, the recent Bugatti Chiron tested and approved by a champion, Ronaldo. And <laughs> his response was, I didn't know Ronaldo was such a great driver. And I thought, well, <laughs> Todd and I know you can, you can edit a video any which way to make the driver True. seem... Yeah. And the video's great, you know, he's testing out the new Chiron, it rolls into the showroom here, and, you know, gives him the keys, he takes it out on track, and it looks amazing and great, and we all mm-hmm. know, is that really Ronaldo driving? I'd be curious. So, um, yeah. anyway, relating everything to uh, to soccer here is pretty funny. Um, well, that's interesting you're talking about editing, though, too. I mean, that's one of the things that, that we've talked about back and forth. I don't know how much we've talked about it here on the podcast, but, you know, look at the guys that are now on Grand Tour were originally on on Top Gear. You know, the impression the impression due to the editing is that all of them could drive really well and that any time mm-hmm. that Jeremy Clarkson wanted to slide around in, in, a, in a big arc of smoke, he could do it. But yeah. there's a few places. Yeah. Granted, I w- don't watch this stuff like everybody else. I realize that, and I, I'm somewhat ruined. But there's certainly times in a lot of their episodes when some amazing drifts happening, and I happen to notice they've blurred out the windshield. Seriously? Why did they? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's happened many, many times. In an times. effort to obscure why they, who? The why did they do that? I mean, I'm, I'm not saying like you can see a blurred face in there. They've just darkened it down and blurred it out, and so it just becomes this black shape in the windshield, which mm. is not what it really would do in that moment. Why did they do that? Because it's not one of those guys driving. Or conversely, and they've and they've actually gotten better at this over the years. I mean, they just had that recent piece on Grand Tour, and this relates to us actually. But a recent piece on Grand Tour of Richard learning to drift, and they were talking about the fact he's just now learned. Uh-huh. Okay. Right. Which I think was really interesting because the impression, the faulty impression, among uh, I think most of us about car journalists is that every car journalist can drift. Not true. <laughs> and not true. You exactly. see, and you see in video, you see the drift that worked. Okay. You don't see the six that didn't. All right. That, that right. that's just the reality right. of editing. That's the editing. In the same way. And look, I'm not picking on. I'm not picking on drifting. We do that with all our shots. Well, you picked the shot yeah. that looked good, not the one that looked halfway good, or that one, the car doesn't even look fast in that shot. I'm not using that shot. But that's the thing that somehow 
we believe the drifting. And it actually comes back to you and me. You know, we did that drift school, Drift 101. I'm working on that video. The hope is, you're yeah. listening to this on a Tuesday, you're two days away, hopefully, from that piece coming out. I may have just screwed myself. But uh, <laughs> but I am working Committing. on that piece. It, and and in, the, in the exact counterpoint of what we're talking about, that piece is going to be, honestly, watch two guys try something new. Yeah. We went into a learn to drift course and we started from ground zero, whatever the instructor Naoki uh, instructed us to do. And anything you as a listener, anything you've ever tried for the first time, you probably didn't get it right away. Mm-hmm. And neither do we. So it's an yeah. interesting piece for us to kind of walk through and hopefully people will enjoy it. There's there's no hiding in this piece. Well, Welcome to watching us screw up. And you brought up Richard Hammond. And, of course, their editing is going to show a balance of both because he's starting at zero. He's claiming, I've never drifted, we don't drift. Although, yeah, we've seen him, you know, hanging out around the track. But yeah. is it yeah. Yeah, them yeah. driving or is it somebody else driving, some stunt drivers at the Stig or, you know, somebody else now on Grand Tour? And sure. uh, I, I think of us and our experience. And I will say, to Todd's point here, you think it's about driving. You think drifting is about driving and Hmm. it is not much to todd and i's great surprise so you're gonna have to watch the video i won't go any farther into the explanation there but that was it's a different mindset and it was a very interesting day it really was it really was very interesting and actually this connects to one of our two car debates tonight we had uh marvel write in from south china which is awesome thanks for writing in he's asking about buying a drift car or debating a drift car so we'll get to that as well which is pretty cool and uh more stateside, we have Mike writing in from Rhode Island. He has a car as well that he wants to try to find. He wants to find a more uh, fun commute car that also allows for a little bit of hooning. So that's a good one as well. And then, of course, you guys have buried us in Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram questions. Yes. We have more of those yes. coming up. But one of those you and I were just talking about, we should cover up front because it almost, it almost masquerades as a topic to start a Topic Tuesday. And we both read this and picked it out as a question. Then we thought, you know what, we should talk about this right up front. It does. The question is from Brian Herring. He writes to us and says, could we do a podcast, this one, (laughs) to explain the mentality of someone who likes cars to our significant others? Brian, I'm going to add friends as well, who just don't get it. Mm -hmm. Why Mm -hmm. do we always have to be looking for different cars when the one outside is just fine? It works fine. And Mm -hmm. taking that away from us, the folks who like cars, can be like removing hope from the world. Wow. I love this question. This has got to be one of the better questions we've come across. So, Brian, well done. Removing hope from the world gets a little (laughs) dark there for a minute. But let's see if we can save us all, Brian. That that could be good, yeah. It does. I, I guess to kick off the conversation here is whoever you're talking to, You've got to find out what is near and dear to them. What is the thing that mm-hmm. they think Agreed. about the most? Whether it's travel or sailing or cycling or whatever it is, their hobby, their thing in life. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think to start the conversation with them is find that out. Find you know what the topic is and go see how deep their passion runs for that particular subject. I mean, I've talked to sailors who are just... You know, they can tell you the ins and outs, and I'm, I'm riveted. I've talked to military guys and ex-military guys, the pilots, and mm-hmm, I'm riveted mm-hmm. by their stories. I mean, dance. Your wife is into dance, and she can talk yeah, about yeah, theater yeah. production and instruct me and tell me about things I had no idea were th- 
things you've got to deal with in a production, like mm -hmm. backstage mm -hmm. productions, things like that. So my head runs to, you know, you're having this conversation, what are they into? And relate it to us as car people. I won't say car guys, just car people in general. Yeah, And yeah, then yeah. the pleasure that we extract from taking our cars out on those canyon roads and going out and doing that kind of thing. And we, we burn mm -hmm. gas for the sake of burning gas. That's just it. You, you've hit upon it. And yeah. what? You know, explain this mentality to me. But kind of like Todd and I are talking about drifting, not really being about driving, the driving we do is more about clearing your head, just like a road trip or, you know, whatever that is. And your mind is... is elsewhere and everything falls away. My dad was a pilot for many years. He sold aviation mm -hmm. insurance. And he's a guy that would just get very easily stressed out by whatever's going on. But when I rode with him, he had a Cessna uh, 182. Mm -hmm. And I would ride with him uh, in my college years and, and uh, we'd go up together and just, he was a little kid. And <laughs> he'd talk That's about cool. things like, yeah, that airfield over here, and, you know, we're up in the air, and he's like, oh, I got to show you this, and we, you know, bank left, and let's go check that out and fly over there and look at that kind of stuff, and cool. nothing else cool. mattered. He can talk about airplanes and look up in the sky and tell you uh, the stats about an airplane that I'm going, how sure, do you do that? Sure. But then he talks to you and I, and he says, how do you guys know so much about cars? I, it's a car for crying out loud. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're, you absolutely right. you're absolutely right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's great. That's great stuff. I think one of the problems here, Brian, is that cars, cars operate in a weird category where there's those of us that have a car that we lust after or cars we're lusting after. They're, they're, they're beyond just a thing in our lives that we need mm -hmm. to something that we just want. And for most people, I, let me put it another way. Cars are in a rare category in that a lot of people have cars without a desperate want for cars. But they have them anyway. Yeah. A lot of, but, yeah. but but I would say you could find pick pick your topic, and I'm going to pick a few here just to kind of give you frame of reference. But most people have a thing that they just want to get the new one of. Maybe you're a golfer. Sure. I guarantee sure. you, every golfer I've ever spoken to, while I cannot relate at all, they're always <laughs> talking about the clubs they don't own. And I'm going. You have a huge bag of clubs right there. Right. I'll I'll, I'll pick on my friend Paul for a second. I have. Look, I don't I don't own. I literally do not own a watch. I know as a car guy that's somehow sacrilege. But from my perspective, look, I sit in front of computer screens all the time. Every computer screen tells me the time. My phone, which does eight million other things, tells me the time. I don't need anything but the time from a watch. So I don't own a watch. But yet. Every person I know, Paul included, that has nice watches, has other watches they're looking at. Totally. And I'm over totally. here where I can tell you the time, so why are we talking about this? You can go to the cliches of purses or shoes or whatever it is. Find, well, like, as you said to start, Paul, find the thing in the person you're talking with, significant other, great friend, whoever doesn't get cars. Find the thing that they spend money on that they want a different one than what they currently own. That's <laughs> right. your through line. That's the way in. That's the, that's the common thread here. The difference is they might not just own one of those random things like you would a car because they just they have one and they need it, but they don't really want it. Those things are probably just all in the want category. Sure. But if, sure. whatever is something that you have bought that excites you, golf clubs, shoes, watches, you know, whatever it is, just follow the through line of that person. I guarantee you that person 
wants ones they don't even have. And <laughs> look, I'll have a conversation about – I know it sounds cliche, but my wife with shoes or purses – I'm always at the category of she's like, how do you like this person? I'm like, it holds things. I, I just, I, you have many other, right. and she's not, she's not ridiculous about it either. But she, I, I, she has many others that do the same thing. What is the purpose of a purse? It's to hold your stuff. Yeah, done. You, you, you have many. We're finished. Okay, but purses and shoes. She has some great shoes, and yet she will randomly be like, what do you think of these shoes? I'm like, they're cool. Don't they look like the other ones that? You know, don't you have so, another pair of black shoes just like that? Exactly, exactly right. So that that's the thing is that this is this is why this happens, Brian. And and Brian, is it your wife or significant other, whoever else is listening? This is the thing I would ask to whoever's listening is not a car person. What is your thing? What is your thing that you would buy another one of, even though the one you have right now is fine and works and you like it, but you buy another one of whatever? It's the same thing. The problem is cars are just more expensive. Yeah, and to add to that, I would say I've never seen cars be, I've never seen anything else be as aspirational as a car or status uh, telling about a person. And especially hmm. in Los Angeles, where you and I have spent a lot of time, we've lived there ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And cars associated with status and prestige and the next thing. And that person might live in a condo, but they own a $92,000 Mercedes-Benz. So therefore, yep, yep. it's all about the status and all about you know being seen in a certain way. And seeing particular cars, and then you think, oh, well, that person's really made it. Well, they might not even own that car, as a matter of fact. They might mm-hmm, be renting mm-hmm. that Ferrari. But it's this aspirational nature of cars. I don't think anybody who owns a really nice boat, well, maybe boats, but... You know, my dad never aspired to own, you know, the next level up because he's like, well, the plane already cost me so much, you know, sure, I, sure. I, oil changes and maintenance and hangar fees and all this stuff. He's like, I've got an airplane. I, I, I don't want a Cirrus or the next $300,000 yeah, airplane. Yeah, you know maybe, what I mean? Maybe, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, cars are so, they're in that range. Most cars are in a price range where they are, we're able to trade them out and, aspire to the next hot new thing whereas mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know and i'm speaking generally here you can you can dice yeah. it up yeah. very finely but uh, yeah i'm just saying as uh, as an aspirational product that exudes status you know i mean yeah. sure watches well, are personal and- for me i i don't get them mm-hmm. to impress other people but just to be like a very personal thing especially for men there's not really much jewelry men can wear besides sure. watches sure. that are you know I guess, acceptable or, I don't know, you know what I mean? Watches are, yeah, I take your point. Yeah. you know, with a dress suit, well, but, that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. but, and, and you are that guy. And, and look, I make fun of you because it's easy to do. But at the same time, <laughs> I, I, I also, I can get on the other side of it and just go, you are a guy who has very good taste and takes that taste and, and your design background and your interest in technology and engineering into watches. Yeah. And you, yeah. you own some very nice ones as a result, but yet just back to the car thing for a second. I've never seen you be like, you know what, I, I've got watches, I'm fine. You see an interesting watch in a store, interesting watch in a magazine, have you seen this? Now, you may not even be buying it, but you're just like, have you seen this watch? It does this. It's made by, now granted, by this point, my eyes have glazed over and I'm half asleep. But exactly. the point is, you have plenty of cool watches and you're still looking at cool watches. This totally. is the thing with cars. Totally. And and there's there's not a thing wrong with it because everybody has that thing. And so... 
for whatever reason, we that have the disease get the disease big time. And, and this is the reason why, look, I, we research for the show for every car debate to try to help people. In fact, yeah. tonight I was looking on websites in China. That was illuminating. <laughs> However, I will find myself, when I should be doing something else, I will find myself lose a half hour oh, yeah. just chasing cars. Just, oh, I could get one of those. Oh, I could get one of those. Oh, I like the color on that. Ooh, that one's not in very good shape. And then suddenly a half hour has gone. What am I doing? <laughs> I can't buy any of the cars I've just looked at for a half hour. I looked at all of them. So that's the thing. It, it, it's feeding this disease. And, and I will also say this. Okay. Brian, if you have a wife listening or if you have a significant other listening that you are very much in love with, I am now speaking to them. Okay. <laughs> what would you rather? Would you rather Brian traded you or a car? Or lusted after lots of other women and okay. you or a car. Sure. This is, this is safe. This is so safe. I know it's not cheap. <laughs> but, you know, Jay Leno's made the joke that that his wife's fine with it because he never chased other women. But that's a fair joke, too. It's, it's a real reality, too, yeah, of, of marriages and close relationships. I mean, cars are a thing that you can – I know it sounds weird. You can genuinely lust after a car. Yeah. And then you can just go buy one. And then you can get yeah. bored of it, and you can just get rid of it. There's no fallout. There's no there's no divorce paperwork. You don't lose half of your estate. I mean, you may lose money on the car, sure. But the yeah. point is, go trade your car. You know why? Why not? Yeah. So that's yeah. the other thing about it is this is a safe thing to. I hate to say it. This is a safe thing to dispose of in a way relationships and people aren't. But you see plenty of people dispose of others in their life, and that's much sadder. Anyway, I'm getting all philosophical, but I'm going with that anyway. All right, all right. I mean, shoes and handbags and that kind of stuff don't appreciate in value. There are some vintage watches that do, and some right. cars, right. so I can't speak. You know, there's always exceptions to every rule. I can't speak without exception, you know, cars True. in this way. You're going to lose some money on a car, but, you know, depending on how long you have it, you're not going to lose that much. You know, you have to pay for it. Yeah. and depends on the car, obviously, but, you know, you're not thinking about, selling the coach handbag when you buy it you're thinking i just want true that. i'm not thinking true. about yeah. Yeah, resale yeah, yeah. value mm -hmm. and if i buy that huh i wonder how much i can get back that's out a of great it. point it's a great point you know that doesn't cross your mind for other consumables even even watches i'm not thinking huh the next time i get rid of this watch no i'm thinking about i, I want to have this the rest of my life i'd like that yeah. it goes with this kind of look or whatever so I, you know what i just had this thought okay. no one in the history no one in the history of high, buying handbags no woman has ever brought home a handbag to whoever, to, to show her best friend or her husband or whoever. Okay. No one has ever brought home a handbag and gone, look at my new handbag. And the person looking at it goes, yeah, but what's that going to be worth in a year? That's never <laughs> happened. It's never happened. Never. That's true. You know, or you know what? I bought this handbag because a year from now it's going to be worth at auction. No, it's not. So cars have got this other weird thing where we put these extra stipulations on them. Uh -huh. Where it's just you know what, but but we had that podcast a few weeks ago that had the purse tax attached, and a couple of you wrote in about <laughs> yeah, your own right. versions of the purse tax. One of you wrote That's in and right. said, "I thought it was the kitchen tax because when you were growing up, your your dad wanted to buy a hot car, and your mom said only if I can have a new kitchen." And well, guess what happens? So you know <laughs> exactly. that's that's the thing is it's not a it's not a rational purchase. You've talked about it all the time, Paul. The things we put in our lives, by and large, are because the design or the thing speaks to us. Yeah, absolutely. And we spend our money on it. Not because it makes sense. It makes zero sense. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> but we do it anyway. Well, wrenching us over to Marvel's car debate here. He is in, in south of China, as Todd said, in the Fujian 
province, Fujian. I'm working on I'm my, sure we my got it wrong. Chinese I'm sure words we got it wrong. here. Uh, I'm my, working my, on... My wife actually asked me if we were going to do the podcast in Chinese, and I said, if so, it would be the shortest podcast on record. <laughs> so thank God Marvel wrote, us, wrote to us in English. We're going to have, obviously have to respond that way. But I love that you wrote in. It's great. Yeah, I'm, I'm working on my pronunciation of Yuan, Yuan, the, uh, mm-hmm. the currency there. So I think it's Yuan. In a rising questioning tone. I'm looking this up. I want to get it right. I want to learn here. So, Marvel, thank you so much. He is, uh, like I said, in Fujian. Uh, Man, it's been almost four years since you saw our stuff. That's great. And he's writing in. It's great, yeah. He's got a BRZ. And I like that he does because, like Chance, like you, I think you guys can all relate. He's already driving this car because it's it's a Mm -hmm. daily driving. Mm -hmm. And now he's wanting to practice drifting. Just like we told you, Todd and I went to drift school we're wanting yep. to practice drifting. Yep. I think the bug has caught both of us, but because of time and money and access, we're not yes, always seriously. doing it. But yeah. uh, I, I think both of us walked away just thinking, wow, this is just tapping into something else. It's sort of the next level, the next thing to work on. It's very fun. You yeah, know what I mean? It's very cool. Mm-hmm. All right. So he's got mm-hmm. 70,000 or so yuan in his account for cars. So that's nearly $10,000 U.S., and that's what he mm-hmm. limits me at, so the Paul limiter budget. All right. Yep. And uh, what's he thinking about? So he's thinking about a used 90-ish, 90s, somewhere in there, mid-sized Japanese car for drifting mm-hmm. and something that can still be driven on the road legally. Here's, here's the interesting twist here. He, he loves, Marvel loves his, his daily dr- driven BRZ. And he wants to drift his BRZ. But his question for us, and I want to speak to this real quickly, he's, he's heard that a lot of drifting will mess up his wheel alignment. You know, Marvel, what really messes up your <laughs> wheel alignment while drifting? It's that curb you hit sideways. <laughs> That's what messes up your alignment, my friend. Right. It's, not the, it's not the drift yourself. It's the sudden sideways stop. Okay? <laughs> and I've actually seen these cars that we're driving, the FRS BRZ, I have seen them with the telltale uh, reverse camber rear wheel. Just sitting there with the wheel oh, curled in, and you're just like, oh. yeah, you thought you were a rock star until suddenly you caught a curb sideways, and now that's never going to be the same. So, <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the flight joke. The flight joke is uh, takeoff is optional, but landing isn't. This is the same problem. It's the, sudden, it's the sudden stop that really is the issue with a drift car. Um, but what you're saying is you're worried about, A, damaging your BRZ drifting it, or B, turning it into a full-on drift car, and then what happens if you wreck it? It's going to break your heart. Mm-hmm. So you're kind yeah. of going, do I, do I turn my BRZ into a drift-focused monster while still keeping it street legal? Or should I just drive this car I love, enjoy it, leave it as a street car, and get something I can play with for drifting? And then if I wreck it, it's a bummer. Of course, of course, but I didn't. Yeah. It's not the car I'm in love with, and I think that is the better choice, Marvel. I think keep the BRZ. Let's find you. This is my opinion. Find you a drift car, and I found some interesting options. Find you a drift car with your money. Keep the BRZ. I will also say to you because this uh, the 86 platform is so easy to get sideways. I think as you learn drifting and as you do drifting in the appropriate places. You'll find random spots. It'll be like a surprise in your day. Random <laughs> spots where you can get, get your BRZ a little bit sideways just to kind of remind you right. in normal life without Heck, you making do that. a drift car. You do I, that. I absolutely do that. I absolutely do that, and it's awesome. So let's find your drift car. That, at least that was my take. 
I like that as well. I, I like the fact that you've got this car ready and enjoy it and put your money into something you know is going to break. You're going to have to buy new parts, new tires. Todd and I actually used Chinese tires when we went to drift school here. And mm -hmm. the joke was, mm -hmm. you know, the sales guy was trying to sell Naoki. Hey, it's got this long life warranty. And he didn't realize what Naoki is going to go use the tires for is teach yeah. Todd and Paul yeah, to go yeah. drifting. And, uh, you know, we're joking, of course. I need a six-hour, seven-hour warranty, yeah, not a 70,000-mile exactly. warranty. I don't care about that. <laughs> I was like, this, this needs to last. This is going to last you 60,000 miles. And Naoki said, I need it to last me six hours. <laughs> exactly. So it was a very different conversation they were having, and they finally met to met on it. Yeah. We were driving on 40, I think they were $45 Chinese tires because, yeah. candidly, when all you're buying a tire for is to run it down to the cords, you may as well spend as little as possible. Who? Why do we care? And that was great. Yeah. Exactly. And I know that Chinese manufacturers are really, they're breaking into the U.S. market now. They're doing a lot of funding of electric vehicles and electric manufacturers, as you know. But the brands coming out of China are prolific. There's a lot of Chinese brands. They're mm -hmm. mostly targeted at family cars, people movers, that kind of thing. But I wonder yeah. when there yeah. will be, who's it going to be, the Chinese manufacturer that makes a car like the Toyota 86 that will be the go-to, the tuner mobile. I can drift it. I can turn it into a race car, a track car, that kind of thing. I'm wondering because I feel like that's got to be soon. They've got to come up with some cool sports car that's inexpensive that everybody will just glom onto. I feel like the Toyota 86, your car, has been that for a long time now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what's it going to be? Well, I'm, I, I hate to say it, but <laughs> some of the Chinese brands do so much mimicking of other brands. Well, it'll true. It'll be some Chinese brand makes the Chinese 68, which looks an awful <laughs> lot like the 86, right. but it's the 68. It's a totally different car. It's a totally different totally car. Different. However, honestly, I also have to say this. I, I think the updated version of the car, that front end looks bad enough that it might be improved by a knockoff. <laughs> so anyway, be. yeah. Good for anyway. Well, Marvel, we drove, as you will see in the video, we drove an 89 240SX. And I looked at the sticker on the door jam, and it was built in 1989. And I thought, you've got to be mm -hmm. kidding me. We're driving a more than 30-year-old car here. But you know what? That's perfect. And it's barely held together with bailing wire and all this stuff. But drifting, <laughs> it, it turns out... It gets beat on. It gets beat on. <laughs> not only does it get beat on, it gets dirty. Drifting is very yeah. dirty because the windows are down and all the dust and stuff coming off the asphalt and the track and everything. Yeah. That's yeah, coming yeah, yeah. right in the windows. We're coated with this fine, crunchy mist of asphalt <laughs> and Chinese tires it, all over us. It's, it's, it's tire <laughs> mist is what it is. It's just, it's on everything. Yeah. It is. So the car was just filthy on the inside. And I think, all right, if that happened to your BRZ, you would be, you'd feel terrible. You wouldn't want that to happen. So it's got to be something yeah. cheap enough. Of course, the 350Z and the 240SX from way back, there's so mm -hmm. much for that drifting. So I'm almost thinking, could you go find somebody's really beat-up drift car already? Could you do that? Or could you go get a second BRZ or Toyota 86 that has been, hmm. maybe it's had uh, a salvage title, or it's been wrecked, or it's got a new engine hmm. in it, or hmm. something? What if, what if you had two Toyota 86s One's your huh, regular okay. car, one's your drift car, because at that point you're driving the same platform for both daily driving and drifting, 
and then I really see that. looking learning the differences in handling because it's the exact same car. Now we can do that anyway. We can bring that knowledge sure, to other sure. cars, but would that be interesting to you? What if you had two cars? And again, it's got to have to be in the forty to fifty thousand yuan range, fifty-five thousand mm-hmm. somewhere in there. So not quite ten thousand, but maybe there's some somebody's wrecked Toyota eighty-six that you can. Yeah, it'd have to be a, parts a, like a salvage equivalent. Yeah, I see. What I mean, you're, going. Uh-huh. you're in China, so you have access to Chinese tires, no problem, and you can start burning them up. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. What if you had two, and you say, okay, one's my drift car, one's my regular car, and now that's really teaching you some car control there because you know what it what your your regular BRZ drives like all the time, and then when you apply all these hmm. drifting techniques. Hmm. I think that's going to make you a fabulous driver. Just learning the difference and knowing yeah, that. Because it'd be, yeah. I think that could be cool. It'd be subconsciously the same. I, I hadn't I hadn't thought about two that. Of that them. You may have found one of the rare places where two of the same car make a lot of sense because you're just ergonomically it's going to be identical. It's going to be subconscious. Right. I see where you're going. Right. I do get that. That's I my totally thinking. get that. Otherwise, you know, okay. older right. Japanese cars are of course the the go-to thing for drifting and mm-hmm. you know, start yeah. with something like that. But then eventually Chinese cars, they've got to build something that's the tuner car and maybe it is the 68. <laughs> we flipped the logo upside down. Well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You'll, you'll never know. They'll never know. Hey, look, They'll it's never still know. a boxer no, engine. I, um... we flipped the logo, it's still a boxer engine. <laughs> well, a couple of interesting things happened when Marvel sent this very cool email. One of the things he sent was a website I'd never been to before called greatfirewallofchina.org. Yes. You go there. It's a website where you can plug in a URL and see if that URL is visible in China. Right. right. So interestingly, our, our website, everydaydriver.com, I checked it, fine. Right. However, right. youtube.com slash everydaydriver. Nope, I'm sorry, can't get there. Which makes me ask this question of you, Marvel, and you don't have to tell me how, but you've watched our videos? (laughs) How have you watched our videos? I'm just, I'm I'm curious. I'm glad, but I'm curious. You've been watching for four years, so if YouTube, and I I already knew YouTube wasn't going to pass muster, but I just thought I'd do actually our YouTube channel. Since you can't get it, how are you getting it? And thanks for being with us. Um, maybe this is an incriminating podcast. I don't know. but um, Hopefully not. But I, I checked our Everyday site as well. I thought, hey, it passed the test. That's awesome. Yeah. Greatfirewallofchina.org is a fascinating place to look those up. Uh, I wanted to mention a couple cars to you here that I thought were really interesting. Because what this did for me, this is the great thing about the podcast. It sends me to weird, I've mentioned this before, weird cul-de-sacs <laughs> of the internet I'd never go to otherwise. Right. I'm now looking up cars for sale in China. Why? Why would I why? ever do that otherwise? I'm doing it because of the podcast. I'm doing it for Marvel. Exactly right. Totally. And I was surprised by what's possible for your budget. Cars that here would be three or four times the price I found there for cheap. I'll give you an example. It's not a drift example unless you want to make some changes to it because of all-wheel drive. But the okay. – uh, the old uh, the R thirty two, the R thirty three. You can get them for this price. There they are. They're they're just there. They, they're right sure. There. Why not get huh. one for, you know? I mean, easily in his budget. It was very interesting. So I, I agree with your point. The two forties, if you can find one, and I actually didn't, but but they oh, have really? to be there. They okay. may be called they may be called Silvas over there. So I was having a little trouble kind of tracking down what would the nomenclature sure. be, right? Because right. they have to exist. They have to. Yeah. Now the the eighty six platform, interestingly, was listed as I love this Toyota Other. <laughs> it didn't even have a name. It was just listed, I th- I, and it wasn't like a a, a random thing. I, love I found it. four. 
listed that way, as Toyota Others, all of which were listed for a little more than your budget's claiming, but th- those were new or nearly new models. They're not the salvage one Paul's talking about. Um, I found a ton of options in okay. RX-7s and RX-8s. Oh, really? RX-7 especially would be an interesting drift car. Now, I don't know about parts and maintenance over there, but RX-7 drift car, yeah. The balance, the setup, I think that'd be really That's cool. That's interesting because the engine, you're, you're sustaining high revs constantly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. for us, Naoki is always looking for the drop in throttle. That's what he's looking for after the start. After yeah. we start drifting, it's that throttle control, but rotaries love to rev and just stay there. Of course, so do other engines, but that's an yeah. interesting choice, just constantly yeah, and, on and it. They, That'd be and they, change, they can change throttle so fast. That's yeah. what you're needing. You're needing constant throttle adjustments. That's the big thing we were talking about when we were learning. So, yeah, I like that. And then you know what's cheap, or at least appeared to be cheap? I'm sure the Internet's lying to me, but <laughs> 90s Supras? All kinds of 90s Supras Seriously, for his money. That's where they are. We're wondering where all yes, these Supras are. Yes, that's where they are. So I think a 90s Supra, especially if you can figure out all, all of these, you got to dig in and see, can I get parts for them? But 90s Supras are over there. They're cheap. Hello, drift car. I mean, I hate to go all fast and furious on all of us, but why not? <laughs> I love it. If you can get a 90 Super, honestly, here was the thing. I actually saw almost next to each other. Here was the Toyota Other, which, of course, is the 86, listed for twice as much as a Supra right below it. Huh. So I thought, huh. so get a Supra. Get a Supra, drift the Supra, enjoy the Supra, drive your BRZ, enjoy that. I, I think those are my those are my top picks for this idea. I like that as well. That actually ties into a Facebook question that we had. I'm looking it up here. It was about 90s cars. If we were doing this show in the 90s, what would be the 90s cars we'd keep recommending? Uh, who was that? Who was that? Looking through the Yeah, I saw that here. too. Uh, gosh, I'll find it here in a minute. But I thought that was fascinating. And, and it, it'd be, uh, yeah, like preludes and CRXs. You know, the Prius didn't exist. So it'd be all Honda CRX or something like that for mileage, you know, that kind of thing. Sure, yeah. The CRX, remember the HF that got like 50 miles to the gallon? Oh, yeah, Yeah. right. Yeah, Uh uh-huh. I'm looking. All right, I'll find it here in a little bit when we get to Facebook questions. But, Marvel, thanks for writing in. That is huge. And if you're in China and you can write to us, that we're thrilled you're with us and listening to the podcast. So keep it up. We're learning and learning the Chinese car market. I think it's fascinating. I'm always constantly fascinated at the Chinese car companies that are now exhibiting in mm. Geneva, Paris, mm-hmm. Frankfurt, all over the mm-hmm. world, and they're getting better. They really are. They well, started out you know, not so great, but they're getting better. I, I should touch on the rumor you and I have been hearing, and we've heard it from two or three sources now. Yeah. And and the rumor is, let me back up a couple podcasts. Well, almost every podcast I bring up <laughs> something about Lotus, but a few podcasts ago, somebody was was asking the question, we debated it for a while, what does Lotus need to do? Okay, And one of the things we talked about is the fact that Lotus has never really been safe financially. They've always been borderline insolvent. And we talked about, you know, they need an SUV. They need something that is a cash cow for them. But the other thing I think they need that we talked about a little bit then, and I want to touch on it again, they need a good parent company. Think of Lamborghini for Audi or Audi for Lamborghini, if you think of that. Okay, Think of a, a really solid parent company where things like switches and these kind of things are now handled. That's what's happened to Lamborghinis, but it's revolutionized Lamborghinis, okay? Lotus needs that. Well, the rumor is, we'll see, we've heard it, I think, from three different nothing-do-with-each-other sources, 
that Geely, who owns Volvo, is sniffing around Lotus. I hope this rumor's true. Yeah, me too. I hope it's true. Me that too. would be awesome because what a nice place for Lotus to jump off of. Um, so I'll, I'll be very curious if that's the case. But um, yeah, I, I just had to take a left turn to Lotus because why not? Um, <laughs> yeah, Lotus for everyone, I especially agree. if they're if they're backed by a more solid company. Um, yeah, so that that's my roundabout way to get out of the Chinese discussion, and let's talk about Mike in Rhode Island. Yes, let's do it, Mike. Thanks for writing in. Mike has got an O3 Dodge Stratus that is generally terrible. No, it's not generally terrible. It is terrible. Like, it just, I'm sorry you have that car, but for whatever reason, you have it, mm -hmm. and that's cool mm -hmm. because Rhode Island has terrible roads, which I didn't know. I've never been to Rhode yeah. Island. I've heard of RISD, the Rhode Island School of Design, that is uh, very well-respected and renowned. I've met lots of designers who graduated from there, and uh, that's definitely in, uh, in the design uh, mindset when I'm thinking about design, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. I had no idea there were atrocious roads, so yeah, why not? At, Dodge Stratus actually kind of makes sense at that point, but he's deciding. <laughs> we don't care to... about it. Let's beat up on it. Yeah, yeah why not? Anyway, so that's exactly. Can, can I make what he's the obvious deciding. Rhode Island joke though? Sorry, okay. Sorry. The, uh, well, my, my obvious Rhode Island joke here is: if the roads in Rhode Island are terrible, really, how long does it take you to get to another state to find better roads? I mean, just how long of a drive is that? Awful. It can't be that long. Awful. You know, I mean, I bet you in less time than it took me to drive across Los Angeles to find a good road, you're out of Rhode Island into better roads anyway. <laughs> so let's take a road trip. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, he's there for whatever reason. He lives there, which is yes. fine. And yes. uh, so he's deciding whether to sell this car in Craigslist or wherever and mm -hmm. buy the STI Golf R, Focus RS, something like that or hold on to the Stratus as the winter beater car and really get something different like a Mustang GT, Camaro SS, Challenger with a Scat Pack. Mm -hmm. I'm sensing, yeah, the, the requirements are different if it's one car versus having two and keeping the True. Stratus as the True. winter beater. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of people in the Northeast have the winter car because of the salty roads, the terrible roads. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, th this is definitely a thing. But the car will be used for commuting all the time, every day, and, of course, weather permitting for, uh, for rear-wheel drive options that we might suggest. But I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> I'm liking this debate here because he wants a manual transmission to experience things mm -hmm. Zach Clapman, our friend over at Smoking Tire, has called torque events when he put his, puts his right <laughs> foot to the floor. He likes that. And, uh, yeah, being able to pass people and get out of the way and mm -hmm. get out of his own way. So... I like that. So here's, here's Mike's requirements here. Manual transmission, strong highway pulls, which is really where it matters. Zero to 60 times don't matter. It's all about, yeah, yeah. getting you know the 40 to 80 range. Yep, agreed, agreed. That's a huge thing, absolutely. Awful roads in Rhode Island, so without beating his spine up too badly. Good stereo, and he comes back to the thing you and I always say is, it's got to be a nice place to be if you're commuting. you got to enjoy it and be mm -hmm. happy there. Yep, yep. And so he ends well, on the budget, 40K, mm -hmm. 40K. And Mike kind of ruined himself because he said for the longest time he didn't care about interior. And you're driving an 03 Dodge Stratus. I mean, the interior was not <laughs> its strong suit anyway. Well, many right. things were not its strong suit. But, uh, but you happened to ruin yourself by sitting in a GTI, a friend's GTI recently, and went, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait hang on. Maybe interior <laughs> does matter. Okay. So, yeah. and, and I admit, Hey, look, I, you know, my, my FRS, I really like it. I'm a guy that likes the Lotus Elise. And yet I climb in my wife's, uh, Cayenne and just think this is an awfully nice place to be. 
if we're going to be yeah. in a car for a while, let's 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 take this. You know, so I, I get it. You know, once you do that, a, a real realization of how nice an interior could be if you, especially if you just have to hang out in it, unfun driving. That interior matters a lot, and you're talking about commuting. So okay, that is a factor. And forty thousand dollars is a decent amount of budget. I'm going to say this to you, and, and I'm say this. Look, I know I'm going to admit it. My own proclivity. <laughs> I'm not really a winter beater guy. I just buy the car you like, drive it year round. I'm doing that with a twenty thousand dollar FRS. I'm not doing it True. with a Bentley. True. Okay, uh, I would say I'd do it with a cheap Phaeton. Yep, I got that in here too. You snuck uh, but, that in. Um, very nicely. Yeah, done. I did. You like it? We have shirts too. Anyway, moving on. But um, <laughs> but I'm a guy that just says, you know what? You you admitted right up front. You kind of hate the Stratus. Yeah. So my feeling is, okay, so dump it. Because if you don't like it already and you feel like it's it's life with you has ended, then keeping it, how bummed are you going to be the days you have to drive that car? Hmm. I mean, yeah. yuck. So I think the Stratus goes, let's get you a car that you can drive year-round, that you can find as a decent place to be for just being in traffic, but yet does your other things, the manual transmission, the good amount of uh, of speed and power. I, I, I can't came up with a couple. I've got a couple that I want you to really look at for forty grand. I think there are some good options. And I'm really curious where you went, Paul. Mm, that is a healthy budget. And I, I like the getting rid of the, of the Stratus, even though there is value in having the winter car because baby I, is I safe. I do see it. I do see it, yeah. You know, I mean... Yeah, stuff can happen, and windshields get mm-hmm. smashed, and rock chips, and all that stuff, and you just cringe, and you think, ah, you know, I'm driving the winter. Uh, what could help is it's unclear to me if that 40k includes selling the Stratus. I'm not sure about mm, that's that. That's a good point. Uh, yeah, that is unclear. You're right. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, but could you get the but 40k? How much, Go ahead. How much is the Stratus going to be worth? Well, I mean, it's going to be what the difference between forty k and forty four k. I mean, I, I, it's it's a forty thousand dollars budget. I don't well, think the Stratus what is the is the big thing. Okay, go on. Here's yeah. what I'm wondering: is the money that you could sell the Stratus for? Could you use that money to get a full paint film protection on the new car? And therefore, Ooh, it's going. I see where you're going. Uh, you know what I mean? It's because the paint yeah. film can range from a thousand bucks to probably five thousand for the whole car. They're not inexpensive, yeah. but could you put that money into? really protecting the new car, whatever that is. Mm, yeah, I see that. Paint I see that. That's protection. good. That's really good. I did it on the GTS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't do the full car, but it, I admit it has taken the stress level way down, especially with the rocks mm-hmm. in Utah and mm-hmm. springtime and gravel and all that kind of stuff, the snow melts. And I think, yeah. Yeah. you know, I'm, rock chips are still rock chips, but it definitely takes the sting out of that. So I'm thinking, get rid of that, use that money, save that money so you can get full protection, all that kind of stuff, and then for salt or whatever, you're pretty protected. And I went with one car, Sniper Shot. Ooh, okay, all right, go. I am, here it is, Mike. Certified pre-owned M235Is are right bang on 40K. Found you Hmm. a black one, 5,439 miles for exactly $40,000. Bang wow. on. Didn't have to do the well polymer. That's what I'm thinking because this is a do it all. It's in between, but it's not yep. the full yep. on huge Mustang Camaro, but it's not the small, you know, Golf R, STI, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's a turbocharged car. It's got loads of power for the highway pulls that you're looking for. Definitely manual yep. transmission. Yep. And I think, I don't know yet, but with the roads that you're talking about, I think that's going to be okay. 
on those roads. I, I mm-hmm. still think it'll be okay. Maybe you'll have to go in the winter. Maybe it's two different sets of wheels and tires. Well, it should be anyway, but definitely, you know, yeah, more meat yeah. on the tires. You know, maybe it's 17s mm-hmm. or 18s Agreed. Agreed. for the winter. Yeah. And uh, yeah. those interiors, Todd and I love that car. We love sitting there, highway trips, on and on mm-hmm. and on. 40K, mm-hmm. BMW M235i, that's where I'm landing. I, I think that's excellent. I think that's really good. I came up with a list of to-drives okay, for, uh, for our friend Mike here. But, uh, but I really like that. It's a good sniper shot. It's a really good sniper shot because it, it, it steps in the similar uh, realm as the two that I thought of from the BMW lineup, both of which I think you should drive, Mike. I think you need to drive the two M3s. One of them Ooh. is the E46, and the other is the E92. So we're talking about the last of the glorious uh, naturally aspirated inline sixes. That yeah. E46 is the I- huge, huge icon car of the M3 range. So you definitely need to drive that. It, it's great in pretty much every input. The problem with it is you can definitely get one for your budget. There's going to be maintenance cost required. There might be the crack subframe problem. There might be just sure. stuff it needs. But, okay, you can get a nice one for twenty five grand. Hmm. All right. So, okay. And I, and I wonder, I want, the reason I think about that car, it, it's great in all of the inputs. It's, it's an all-purpose classic. There's a reason it has a reputation that it does. But I also think, is it old enough now and cheap enough now that if it does get dinged or screwed up or less than perfect, is it going to kind of soften the sting a bit? Because it's a, it's a, hmm. come on, this is a hmm. early 2000s. It's, you know, a 15-year-old car. It's, you know, it's my BMW I bought for 20 grand. Okay, then you may be a little less of a sting. I'm just wondering. I don't know. So ponder that. Drive one of those. The E92, you can get them for this mu- this budget. Hmm. Get that nice V8. You're talking about, you, you've talked about, you know, the Mustang GT, the Camaro, and that kind of stuff. The reason I'm not coming back to those is the interior problem. Okay. You're not going to get into any of those cars and think the interior is nice enough if you're lusting after an interior like a GTI. In fact, True. that's the reason that, the for me, that the STI and the Focus RS aren't on the list either. Is if you're liking that Golf interior, then we got that's a factor, okay? But both of those BMWs, I think you'd enjoy that interior. Now, the E46, some of those interiors have not been well taken care of and did not age well. But if they're in good shape... It can be great. The E92 has got a genuinely nice interior. So drive both of those M3s, and I would say compare and contrast it with Paul's recommendation of that uh, M235i. That's a great one. I think you should do that. I have to do it. I can't believe you didn't. Okay. Uh, Look and see what you can find for two things out of the Porsche lineup. The 997. Yeah, yeah. Maybe even the Carrera 4 if you want to do all-wheel drive, uh, you know, weather beater thing. I mean, that's not a beater car, but you know what I mean. It doesn't handle anything you throw at it. And, yes, go drive the Cayman S. Drive them because interior-wise you're going to be very happy in those cars. Uh, you could sure. get them for your budget. Yeah. You're going to have to think about the maintenance intervals and that cost, but the reliability should be decent. So definitely those are on my drive list. The Golf R of the hatches you mentioned, Golf R is the only one that wins, and it's purely it's not only budget and all the factors that you like as far as drivability are there, but interior-wise, it just wins. It's just if that's if if that's an issue at all for you in those hot hatches, Golf R is is the choice, and we're moving on. But it informed <laughs> yeah. but it informed a wild card. I have two wild cards. Oh, really? All right, I love it. Two. The, and Mike, these are all go drive them. Paul may have actually solved your problem, but I just I'm rambling. I'm, I'm going to tell you two wild cards. One. The Cadillac ATS Coupe. Okay. Interesting car. You don't see a ton of them. Oh, I know what you're suggesting. Nice and, 
I know. It's well. I mean, come on. It's a nice <laughs> interior. It's good looking. It's a nice interior. You can get it in a manual. I, I like everything about that car for this consideration point. And then my super wild card because you, you cannot get it in a manual. Didn't you find one of these cars last week, Paul? The Mercedes GLA forty five. Yes, I for like did. forty something. It was forty. Didn't you find one? Yeah, I did. <laughs> okay, all right, but that says those cars are down there now. That's true. So there's mm. your Golf R competitor. Good interior, fantastic seats. Good interior, all wheel drive, hot hatch. That's my competitor for the Golf R in this scenario. Oh, but it's a little wild because like it's only automatic. I so anyway, like there, there's my that. full list. Wow. Very nice list. I thought you were going to suggest anything with magnetic ride for the roads problem because you can really soften things up for the commute, but Mm -hmm. then you can, the car comes alive when you put it to sport mode. The difference, Todd and I have never seen such a difference in magnetic ride, and we wish we could apply that to nearly every car we drive. It's almost like we'd want, you know, a PDK transmission, magnetic ride, you know, a small body Uh shape, and you know, something with amazing power, and that would be the perfect car. But I, I thought you were suggesting that Cadillac just for the ride quality alone and the difference that you see, and that I thought that was a stroke of genius as well. But I like that Mercedes. It's We've never really said, hey, Mercedes is in the mix for, you know, a lower price point, but that AMG Well, the fact that you found up. one that cheaply, I wouldn't have thought about it, but the fact that you found one that cheaply, I thought, you know, we're within striking mm. distance on that car, and it and it, I feel like, is the only thing that, that comes to play with the Golf R in this hot hatch little Agreed. but nice interior thing. Agreed. I mean, you could go the hot hatch sibling could go with the S3 Audi, I suppose. But I think the Golf R is a better a better use of money there, personally. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, uh, I, I came with a huge list tonight. I admit it. But there it is. Good stuff. I love it. All right, so Neil Primer is is uh, the one asking us about the car debate as a radio show in the early to mid-90s. Neil, I'm sure you've been screaming at, uh, at the podcast, but it was Neil that asked us about what would our go-to recommendations be if we were doing this as a radio show and just think mid-90s cars. I'm thinking about the 89 all-wheel mm-hmm. steering prelude. I mean, RX-7s, yeah. NSXs for the hot stuff. We might have even recommended a Mitsubishi 3000 GT VR4 or a Dodge Stealth. I can't even believe I am saying those <laughs> words because that's all yeah. we have to go on. We wouldn't have the brilliant cars that we do now. And well, but hang on, it's blowing my mind on. going way back like that. The the Japanese the Japanese heroes are in there. Not only the NSX, oh, but the yeah. Z32 Z car is in there. That 300 ZX, the Supra, the 90 Supra, and the 90s RX7. Those are those are hero cars. Those are serious hero cars. And they still are what's so amazing. I mean, mm-hmm. we still come yeah, back to, to all those cars. I mean, the 1990s Z car that you had is just... I yeah, still exactly. look at those things Brilliant. and think... I know, I know. Man, that was so far ahead of its time. Styling-wise, everything. It was just... It was out there, and I love that car. So, Neil, excellent Four-wheel question. steer, all kinds of madness. Yeah, oh, definitely. Excellent question. I, I love that. It's sort of taking me back to the 90s and there aren't really too many american hot things that i can think of coming to mind it the 90s were about japanese cars am i wrong they that was the yeah, sweet I hear you. spot i hear you i'm mm-hmm. just yeah wow dodge stealth oh mitsubishi eclipse turbo how mm-hmm. many of those would we have recommended 
Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Oh. Yeah, that's a good one. Well, you know, I mean, Pontiac <laughs> was putting monster monster engines and crazy nostril flares on their uh, on their uh, Firebirds in the late nineties. True, that was happening. True. Uh, madness was occurring there. Um, yeah, I just it was an interesting time for sure on cars. But I agree with you. It was just it was the pinnacle of so many things from the Japanese. It was shocking, and of course, that era, that nineties era, kind of ends with the S two thousand hitting in ninety nine. Yeah. It's like all of those other guys You're fell right. away and the S2000 rises. And as, as I'm thinking about S2000 for a second, you know what was funny about the S2000, the first one I ever saw? Huh. One of the biggest things we were all excited about was the start button. Oh, true. Now it's on Now it's on everything. That's but then true. it was like, oh, that has a start button. You don't have to Look, use it's a got key. a start button. This is crazy. You turn the key, you hit the start button. What? Start button. Wow. Now it's just like, what do you mean you don't have a start button? This is a $10,000 car. Why does it have a start button? It was just funny that that car brought this thing. It was like, oh, it's a race car. It's got a start button. Okay. (laughs) But there it was. And now my nephew is learning Python programming. And uh, I said, I can get you a job tomorrow with any of the automotive OEMs if you learn Python programming right now. And he said, really? That's funny. I I can make you money, man. (laughs) That's funny. Speaking of the 90s cars, and we've actually talked about the Supra a couple of times tonight, so I think we have to bring up Cregan's uh, question from Facebook. He said that he's asked a few other automotive podcasts the same question. He's curious to see how the answers range. He's saying, okay, the new Supra is coming, and it's going to be a platform-sharing car with the new BMW Z5. Yeah. So his question is, what do we think the price range of that car will be? Wow. That's... Both. The Supra and the Z5. Great question. Great question. And I I think this is an interesting thing to kind of beat around a bit. Well, if we're going to if we're gonna be sharing with a brand that is as as aspirational as BMW is, it's not gonna be anywhere near a twenty or thirty thousand dollar price tag. I don't think it's oh, gonna no. be anywhere definitely close not. to definitely that. Not. I'm almost thinking double that. I'm thinking 55 60 somewhere in there that's going to compete mm-hmm. against the alpha 4c's and the boxster and cayman s's or just entry-level caymans and s and boxsters i'm mm-hmm. kind of thinking in that range to be honest and this new supra has got to be aspirational itself to carry on the lineage to carry on this this monster stature that we all have in our minds about supras that is toyota's sports car now they're sharing this yeah 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 with a, with mm-hmm. a luxury brand like bmw that's going to be way up there that could be pushing 70 80 possibly but i think you're right i think you're right yeah i mean of course we're going to be wanting it of course of course we are well but i mean think about it the loaded supras well the loaded 300 zx's had the same problem in the 90s by the time you loaded them out the one you wanted in the 90s was 40 grand Oh yeah, and that was what that was what yeah. killed those cars because they were they were just starting to get into a price point where it was problematic for volume numbers. It was the same problem with the S two thousand. They were problematic from a volume perspective, but they were great cars for the money if you really broke down the technology. Here's the problem I think with the Supra and the Z five. I think they're going to be. I think you hit it. I think they're going to be priced around the world of the seven one eight Porsches. Hmm. I think you're. I, th- I I suspect. I could be wrong. I suspect the Z5 to be actually a little bit cheaper than the Supra. I bet you the you Z5 so? is gonna. I think it's gonna probably almost mirror seven one eight Boxster prices. Find that target that yeah. BMW is gonna go. There's our price point, and it'll start at you know 
50 or 52, but the one you want is going to be 70. I love and I bet you that Supra. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I, seriously, I bet you that Supra, honestly, I want the Supra to be 45. I bet you the Supra is 60 to start, and I bet you the one you want is 75 grand. Yeah. And it's it's going to be, do you think the BMW will be different interior trim materials, more luxurious, more lexified, more targeted at, you know, same performance, the, but it's a little higher weight, so maybe not quite the stripped down Supra, or will it be I bet you that the car? No, I bet you that the Z5 is going to be targeted toward the, the, the convertible customer. So it's going to be nice, but it's not going to be super oh, nice. interesting. Okay. And I think the Supra is going to be the little brother to the new LC500 Lexus. It's going to be a pretty nice place to be yeah. and still be yeah. a performer. That's my suspicion. I, I could be totally wrong on both counts, but that's my suspicion. Because BMW Ooh. doesn't have it, – it's almost like where are they filling their lineup? BMW needs that kind of boxster-priced sports car because there's not really – there's a hole in their lineup inexplicably with all the things <laughs> BMW is doing. There's a, there's a hole – there's a weird hole in their lineup right there. We and found yet, a Toyota hole? has kind of oh – exactly. Gosh. Toyota has kind of nothing in the aspirational top of the lineup just under 100K place. No, there's where the super don't. goes. Although I'm just not sure how I feel about Toyota and BMW in the same sentence being used for the same car. I'm really well, having trouble with that. They are distinctly different personalities in my mind. I mean, from not just the looks, but the way the car feels. From build quality all the way to the driving experience, Toyotas and BMWs mm -hmm. are distinctly, they're miles apart in my opinion. But now here's a but car that's this way, a though. mix. I, I don't know what to agreed, do with this. Agreed. I know, but that's what the whole conversation we were having about Toyota recently about they keep partnering with somebody because we would have said the same thing about Toyota and Subaru 10 years ago. I suppose. Toyota and Subaru aren't going to make anything together. Subaru makes all-wheel drive, flat engines. Toyota's over there making Priuses and Camrys. Never going to work. But they're both and Japanese. And here's this 86 platform. You know, they're... Yes, but they are totally different approaches. Totally different approaches. Yeah. Huh. I yeah I I still have some skepticism there, but I I hope for the best. We hope for you know it ends on the driving enthusiast car that we all want. I mean, that's what I'm hoping for. Oh, we'll want it. It's just I don't <laughs> think it's going to be affordable. I hate to say it. Yeah. Can we please answer uh, dear Jordan Stone's question? I don't know if you noticed Jordan's question, but Jordan and I'm and I say this in the nicest way possible. Jordan has been stalking us. <laughs> Everywhere we have a platform, Jordan has posted this question. And because, Jordan, you may not realize this, but because we read all of the content from all of the platforms, there was a 24-hour period where every platform I went to, I read your question. So I think we should discuss Jordan's question. Can we do that? Yes, we should. And his question is very simple. How do we wash our cars? And could you include process and products? I'm not going to include too many products because, of course, that's an endorsement and, you know, we'd like to be paid for that. However, yes, we would. I will include process and I'll start with gravity. It's funny because when I watch other people wash cars, I'm thinking, why aren't you letting gravity work for you? I, mm -hmm. It's yeah. inexplicable, to, inexplicable to me, but it's start with the top and end at the bottom. Now, I will say I do my wheels first and there's a particular reason. I, sp I like to spend time scrubbing. I mean, toothbrushes come out, and I really get them clean. <laughs> but then every other rinse that I do, all the rest of the soap still drains down on them, and I know I've already done my wheels. Wheels are clean. Anything else that gets on them will only make them cleaner. 
So I start with wheels, sure. get those done. Sure, sure. And then start with the roof. I mean, soak the car first, start with the roof, work your way down. The suds will drain and drip. And so I, I break it up into sections. I take the greenhouse from the belt line up. I take all the windows, do that first, rinse. Do the next section, the hood, the front fenders, rinse. Do the next section, doors, work your way around the car. And uh, I, I just, yeah, I'm thinking let gravity do the work for you. So that's uh, and you and you use the multi bucket method. I mean, there's what videos online about all that. You use yeah. the multi bucket method, yeah. and you do it right. Here, here's the thing. I have to, another point we're going to contrast, and I have to tell a story on on you and also the guys at Gears and Gasoline Uh-oh. that were here last Uh-oh. week. I have to tell a ridiculous story okay. about that. Here's another one of those places. You and I are very different. I I will fully admit that I I completely respect the way all of your cars look. They are spectacular. We make the uh, you know, <laughs> well, the, the certified Paul owned joke because it's true, but you have an amazing procedure for washing your car. There were, I think two or three times in the course of me owning my 300 ZX that I went over to your house and spent an entire Saturday cleaning my car as you clean yours all of the time. And it's incredibly <laughs> impressive. It's, it's gorgeous. The result, however, because it, it's just one of those things in my life that has fallen far enough down the list of things to do that I don't do it right. Well, I will fully admit that. That's all right. I don't, I don't do it right. right. I, my cars are clean, but my cars are clean because I drove them through a car wash. Now, half of you have just disowned me for admitting <laughs> that. Half of you have decided I knew I didn't like Todd, and that proves it. But, <laughs> no, not true. Um, not but true. I, have, I have one of those subscriptions to a local car wash that does the combination of spray and the – they're not like – old school brushes it's actually you know coming to the modern era but it is a automatic car wash put your car into the track ride through it etc and i realize how atypical i am from any car enthusiast it just it just comes down to time i need to edit i need to be with my son and my wife and i and, and there's probably more everyday driver editing to do so as much as i would honestly things i'd like to do to my frs don't get done because of that same list yeah so the car wash is one of those things where Wow, that's salty and dirty. I really ought to get that washed. So I do. But I, you you were there because we were all on radios. When we were just with the Gears and Gasoline guys <laughs> a little over a week ago, I had one of the most hysterical car wash experiences of my life. <laughs> and you weren't, in, you weren't in the car with me. No. We had, we had two cars. <laughs> you may have heard some of this radio chatter. It was ridiculous. We had two cars. And I'm telling stories on Ben and Ben. You have Big Ben and Small Ben if you look at the Gears and Gasoline guys. I was in a uh, Porsche Macan with Big Ben with me, okay? Behind me in the line to go through the car wash because we wanted to wash the, both these cars before we returned them to the owners. Right, right. And both of these owners were fine. In fact, they normally go through this car wash. Right, right. So they said, yeah, just go through there. So we said, okay. I mean, if they didn't do that, we wouldn't have done it. But behind me is Little Ben driving the Mercedes GLA uh, 45 AMG, which, interestingly, had a roof rack on it, which I always think of as a great way to tear up your roof if you're going to go through <laughs> yeah, one of these car washes. Too. But the owner said, because I asked him, I was, he was like, yeah, take it through there. I said, wait, hang on. You've got a roof rack. He said, yeah, it's fine. I do it all the time. So, okay, we went through the car wash. As I'm pulling into the car wash and I get the Macan settled in the track and I'm not going to scrape the wheel, I've got it set up, Big Ben turns to me and he says, I don't think I've ever been through a car wash. And I'm thinking, what? wow, is my life different than yours? <laughs> no, seriously. He was like, I've never been through one of these. <laughs> and then when we, got, when we got done going through, unbeknownst to me, Little Ben driving the Mercedes had also never been through one. And he's on, in the car with a roof rack oh my and gosh. by himself. Oh, my gosh. As we got to the, the blow-dry cycle of this system, he comes over the radio and goes, 
that was the scariest thing I've done in my life. So suddenly I felt like the non-enthusiast of the group because, you know, I've gone through the car wash enough that both my son and my dog now are like, eh, yeah, car wash, whatever. Exactly. So, yeah, anyway, very, very classic. <laughs> I mean, those feel like a Scotch-Brite pad with aircraft paint stripper to me. I mean, I'm like, eh, don't, no brushes, don't I know, touch. I know. If it's not just sprayers, I, know. I mean, the scratching that occurs, just cringe-worthy over here, but all right. I, I was trying to be relatable. My Jeep was super dirty for the entire shoot. It was salty and crusty and dirty, and I'm, <laughs> look, I'm dirty too. Look, everybody, notice me. <laughs> well done well done but jordan i hope that helps there's the full range between uh paul could give you the uh dual dual bucket wash system and turn up with a car that's amazing or i could get you done in five minutes because i can tell you where to drive through so that's the that another place that we are not the same well moving on lucas sends, sends us a link to a twelve thousand dollars six twelve thousand six hundred dollar 2014 ford fiesta st everybody Fiesta ST, come on. This is for sale on Craigslist in Boston in Waltham. It's got 57,000 miles. It's beautiful blue color. 12.6, which means you could probably walk away with 12,000. If one of you don't go buy this car, I just might. Because 12,000. That's shocking. Come on. That's shocking. Are we sure it's not like salvage title or missing a wheel? I mean, that, it has is, a dent. that is amazing. He said it's got a dent behind the front wheel, a small dent. And the prices reflect, to, uh, the car's price to reflect this damage. Come on. 12.6, everyone. Wow. For a Fiesta ST. I, wow, that's shocking. Yeah. 12.6. Anyway, Lucas, thank you for the heads up. I love that. And uh, then Donald Smith goes on to ask about a Porsche keychain. Does Paul sport a Porsche keychain? Donald, <laughs> does a bear poop in the woods? I mean, yeah, true. give me a break. True. I Not only do I have one, but I bought Todd and his wife both keychains at the Stuttgart Museum. At the, mm-hmm. at the Porsche plant, I, I bought them Porsche keychains. So yes, Todd and his wife both have one as well. Of course, they have our, to. Our Porsche keys are on Porsche keychains. I will admit have it. To. My wife has hers all the time. I use her keys, so I see her Porsche keychain. There it is. Yes, we do have them. Uh, we, but we have them. But the irony here is we have them courtesy of Paul. That's the well, classic thing. I it's mean, one of those things I, I would have never bought, but thank you for giving me one. Um, yes. I have to answer Devin Miller's question. I think it's really interesting, and it's the last one I've got. I don't know if you've got any others. But Devin asked, is there such, th- such a thing as too much tire? Oh, and he's asking two ways. He's asking, you know, this could mean like a 305 width, which is absurd on most cars. Right. Or does it just mean I don't really need Pilot Super Sports for my front wheel drive commute car? Excellent question, Devin. I want to speak on this two ways. Look, yes is the short answer. There is such a thing as too much tire. But I think it depends on usage. Okay. Yeah. If you're a person that wants to get the most out of your car. I'm going to say to you, get the highest performance rubber you can for your current tire size. I'm not saying go bigger, go wider, because there is a place as you go wider. Now, I went a little bit wider on the FRS. I went a little bit wider on my Z car. But for every person that went, you know, 10 centimeters wider is the person that went 30 centimeters wider. Sure, sure. You know, and there is a place with tire width, and I want to get back to compound in a second, but there's a place with tire width where you start to change the way the car feels. 
And actually, you can ruin steering. You can ruin steering feel by getting too much time yes, to move around. Very true. Very true. So that's something to think about. I mean, one of the things, and people have actually asked me about this before, one of the things about the 86 chassis, people are like, wait a minute, why do these guys say you have to change the tires? Because you do. But <laughs> there is the this, reason. there is this, exactly, but there is this impression that if you get a stickier tire, at approximately the same as the stock width, the car ceases to be fun. That could not be further from the truth. I can still drift my car with Super Sports. I still have great tire feel with Super Sports. But guess what? It grips better when I want it to. Right. And then right. I can still get it sideways. That is one of the best places that I personally have experienced a better tire compound on even a slightly wider wheel. I think if you put 300s, I'm not saying you're doing this, but you put 300s on an FRS, it's not going to feel right. That's just, that's too wide a tire. But a sticky compound, yes. If you're never going to hoon your car, okay, then you're probably not worth spending the money. But I think if you're going to drive your car hard, get the stickiest, most high-performance compound you can and stay on the stock width or very close. Both you and I noticed the square setup on the E90 M3 in the Icon film. We You're noted right. the Very difference good. in handling, not just looks. I, I think we just the stance looks better. It just sits right. But yeah, square mm -hmm. setup all the way around. That was Mike's uh, Mike Schmidt's car, and uh, yeah, we both noted the differences in handling from the other E90s and E92s that we've driven, and thought. You're right. Good point. Okay, this good was point. an improvement. I mean, we don't want to go too far. It's you know we're not putting Viper tires on all four corners here. That doesn't do anything. Yeah, yeah there's a fine line for sure. It yeah, really is. And uh, yeah, sometimes you're not going to find out until hopefully you overdo it or don't overdo it. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, stay within that you know in that width. But you know, millimeters. We're talking 10, 15 max. You know, somewhere in there. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, you'll you'll definitely feel the difference, but it'll still be. Yeah, I said centimeters. It's millimeters. I'm sorry. You're right. Thank you for millimeters. That I mean, reality. centimeters would be yeah. you know rolling yeah. tube, but yeah. Anyway, it would be yes, but yeah. <laughs> the watch 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 those numbers. If if they're jumping more than ten or certainly twenty, you're probably going too far. Yeah. So you, if your two fifteen becomes a two thirty five, I think you're on the bleeding edge. If your two fifteen becomes a two sixty, what are you doing? I, I <laughs> right, no right. no. I, that's going to fundamentally change the way a car feels. Exactly. Okay. So you got to start thinking about that. And, and But then there's the other question. Are you able to do tire testing? Most of us aren't. Right. Theoretically, right. the manufacturer put on a tire that is an appropriate width for most scenarios, especially if it's a performance car. They at least thought about it. Yeah. So you can play around a little bit, but you can't make huge leaps. Otherwise, you're fundamentally changing the, the car, and you're going to get, like you said, you may find out, I did this wrong. Well, now what are you going to do? Right. If you've got money to burn to play, more power <laughs> to you. Send us the results. Right. But I don't think that's most people. Wrapping up our last question here from Ed Hayes, who asks, if we deliberately park next to a car of the same model just for kicks and a good photo, of course, Ed, of course. I pulled into breakfast the other day. Todd and I were meeting a fan of the show, and I pulled in breakfast, and I found a 718 Boxster sitting there. And I thought, mm -hmm. ah, perfect. Mm -hmm. I pulled in right next to him, and I just thought, you know, this owner is going to respect my car, so I know I'm not going to get door dings, mm -hmm. at least on mm -hmm. that side sure, of the car. sure. You know, they're going to admire it. <laughs> yeah, Maybe they'll, point. you know, hey, take a cool photo. Of course. I mean, I think I'm safe parking next to people like that. So at least I hope That's so. a good thought. That's a good thought. Yeah, okay, fair. Thought. All right. All right, well, guys, thank you so much. This is uh, huge of you for all these questions. And uh, I keep saying it, but, yeah, we'll have to get to some of these other great ones on here. But uh, in the meantime, lots of films for you to buy on Vimeo and Amazon. Please check those out if you haven't yet. Those are some of our best work that Todd and I feel and uh, want to share that with you. So check those out. 
And in the meantime, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Cheers.